It's time for Dodger Hello and welcome to Dodging Sleep. Uh, it's a podcast made by fans of the Los Angeles Dodgers from on the wrong side of the pond, those of us who spend our nights uh, battling sleep to try and watch the boys in blue make it to yet another World Series and hopefully get another championship win. It's traditional that we always start the show with an on this day, but actually I'm going to break with tradition and I'm going to go with uh, a little tip of the cap to on this day from yesterday. So on the 18th of April, 1939, Red Barber, uh, broadcasting legend, future Hall of Famer, uh, made his first ever uh, broadcast from Ebbets Field uh, for the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, in a 7-3 loss to the New York Giants. Not only that, but 11 years later in 1950, someone I think most of us will have heard of, Vince Scully, made his broadcasting debut and the first game of a 67-year career, and that was also in a loss, a 9-1 loss to the Philadelphia Phillies that day, bringing us back to the uh, to the pre- to the almost to the present day, but to the day we're referring to. I want to talk about 1890, uh, when the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, who would go on to become the Dodgers, played their first ever National League game. They were formerly in the American Association, but they transferred over to the National League, uh, and they. Again, it's a sad story. They actually lost to the Boston Bean Eaters. Now, history buffs out there might know that the Boston Bean Eaters went on to become the Boston Braves, who went on to become the Milwaukee Braves, who went on to become the Atlanta Braves. And the Atlanta Braves is who the Dodgers are currently locked in battle with at this very moment. So we won that first game of the three-game series yesterday. And joining me to discuss the last week, the week ahead, and all things Dodgers, we have Adam Legg. How's it going, Adam? I'm pretty good, thank you, mate. I'm pretty good. Great. Glad to see you rocking the the away the away grey there as well. Always like to see that. Oh, yeah, my Adrian Gonzalez shirt. That's what it is. Oh, did you get your, Did you get your tickets sorted for the uh, for home run next? I've still not decided if I'm going. To be honest <laughs> with you, I've got a friend uh, who wants to go, so I'm contemplating. I might just go down because he wants to. He wants to experience some baseball because he's never watched it before. So. I uh, I just kind of think with Aegon being such a such a big influence uh, for you, I just think you'd be missing out on a potential trip of a lifetime uh, to go down and see your boy in action. But you know, it's up to you, mate. No pressure from me. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us, we have Leon Boyne, who's also taking care of all the uh, all the technical stuff. How's things going in Birmingham, Leon? Uh, in Birmingham, as a whole, not very well because the football team is absolutely rubbish and attempted to ruin my weekend, but obviously. Uh... The Dodgers have been fantastic. So I'm all in on baseball at the moment and, and feeling feeling good. Yeah, as a Bolton Wanderers fan, I've been all in on baseball for approximately the last uh, 11 years. Um, I, I've, I've given up on uh, I've, I've, I've given up on football for the time being. And we, know, we all know that Adam has a much, much happier time as a Derby County fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going brilliant over here. <laughs> okay, so... Coming, bringing it back to baseball, the last week and a bit since since we got together. Actually, you got together without me. I did notice. Um, the boys in blue have been tearing it up. 
seven wins, and actually we've not been behind in any of the games, not at a single point since that opening series lost to the Rockies. So we could talk about the uh, we could talk about the results, but I think we'll go straight into what we actually like about this run. Seven wins on the bounce. Adam, what have you liked about what have you liked about what you've been seeing from our guys? Um, I'm a big fan of just scoring all the runs in one inning. I'm a huge, huge fan of that. It's it's great because you just feel like, oh yeah, we're just never gonna get an out. And you just watch it forever. It's great. It's happened, it's only happened a few times. I can uh, <laughs> I can I can attest to that. I watched a, I watched a, a fantastic inning the other night where it just seemed absolutely relentless. Um but yeah, I think I think I think there's a I think there's a lot to like. Leon, anything uh, anything stuck out for you from our guys? I just think this the, it feels like there's been a, a change uh, to the approach at the plate uh, from Colorado, and I don't know again if this is a specific Colorado thing where everyone thinks, "Oh, the air's different up here. Let's swing for the fences," um, which it felt like we were doing throughout that series in, in Colorado. Uh, whereas, sort of, you know, for the last sort of week, we seem to have shortened our swing a bit. Um, and seems to be more sort of concentrating on putting the ball in play. And we have these beginnings uh, where the sort of revolving door of, uh, of of base runners makes their way around the base base pass and, yeah, sort of annihilates pitching, uh, which is good to see. We all love a home run, but again, putting sort of five or six runs on the board per inning gives such a degree of sort of protection to our starting pitching. And obviously the ballpen as well. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. Looking at the uh, looking at the uh, hitting stats so far this season, uh, in terms of our regular everyday players, um, you're looking at uh, Freddie Freeman, top of the pile, hitting 325, uh, and Trey uh, Trey Turner right behind him on on 310. Um, CT3 not quite been playing every day. You know, he's been a little bit in and about in and out the lineup. Has certainly been playing most games, but he's definitely been in, in and out the lineup a little bit. He's leading the team on 333. Um, but encouraging to see Cody Bellinger now with two home runs hitting 278 after his terrible start in Colorado uh, after a woeful spring training. Are we starting to see some of that old belly magic coming back, Adam? I think so. He's he's impressed me uh, at the plate. I think since since that Rocky series, uh, I think he's looked quite good. Um, is the interesting stat that Joe Davis gave last night that. He either gets no hits or he gets two hits in every every game. I thought I thought oh, that's that's a really good stat. But uh, he looked good so last night. Um, watching, uh, he, he he just he seemed to make adjustments in, in every every time he was he was at the plate, and it resulted in a home run in the seventh or eighth. I can't remember what inning it was, but he finished with a was was a great was a great home run. Absolutely. He, when he gets behind it, he really gets behind it. It seems like if anyone tries to beat him low in the zone, he's just going to uh, he's just going to destroy them. Um, I think uh, someone else worth a men- worthy of a mention as well. He's hitting two seventy six right now. Is is Gavin Lux? Obviously, a couple of years ago, he was touted as uh, someone who was going to make the you know the next big rookie to come through. Uh, Leon, are we starting to see uh, Gavin starting to fulfil his potential? Now he's getting a, a bit more of a regular role. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I mean, there was, I, t- I tweeted the batting averages. It was fairly early. I think it was before the uh, the rain delay in the, um, in the game against the Twins. 
and it was there was two people I didn't include on the list, which was CT3 and, and Gavin Lux, because at that point they really were sort of carrying the team in terms of batting average and an on-base percentage. Um, and yeah, he's been, I think he's been a big factor for us. There was a, a fantastic defensive play as well um, against the Twins, um, which we'll, I'm sure we'll come to uh, shortly. Um, and I think just the confidence of him being out there most days is, is going to do wonders for him. He'll, you know, he'll get extended, you know, chances at, at the plate. And we know he can hit, we know he can, he's, his defence is good and we know he can run as, as well. So I think he could be a, a big part of the, uh, of the Dodgers going forward this season. Uh, yeah, uh, again, completely, completely agree more. And I think the original point that you were making about um, maybe a few less home runs, manufacturing runs, but a bit of, uh, dare I say, almost old-fashioned baseball, put runners on base, go station to station, score runs, um, hit doubles rather than bombs. And uh, I think that whole approach has been uh, has been great. And now we've got a couple of guys in the team who can really run as well. You know, uh, Gavin Lux and Trey Turner, they can really shift. And plenty of other people, uh, Mookie, uh, you should just wait until Mookie and Muncy start firing. You know, JT, uh, these guys are all weighed down on their career averages uh, to this point in the season so far. So when those guys start to fire as well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be one heck of a team. Well, I mean, Belly's got more stolen bases this year than he had last year. I mean, I know he had injuries last year, but I think he's got three, maybe four. Where he, he, I think it was like September till he got that last year. So. That's an impressive thing. When he gets on base, he's he's causing trouble anyway. I think we've uh, we, we've batted around twice this week. I think as well. Mm. You see the quality of the players going around the, and scoring runs. It's it's absolutely insane. You know, I can imagine sort of the, the discussions the opposition managers are having in, during these innings when you've got you know you're starting off with Mookie, Trey Turner, and, and Freddie Freeman, and they're coming back around without uh, having got three outs. It's uh, it's it's great to watch. Absolutely, and I think the long balls, the long balls, not gone away completely. That we had the uh, the back to back to back the other night. Um, I think uh, Bellinger hit the first, then Barnes. Uh, I can't remember who hit the final one. It was it was, it was Belly, uh, Gavin Lux, and then yeah, Austin Barnes, all, all within the space of four pitches as well. Yeah, I mean, I do kind of think that having those hitters at seven, eight, and nine. Uh, I mean, <laughs> um, it was. It was Barnes playing rather than uh, rather than Smith. He would have been further up the order, I suppose. But I mean, I I can't remember seeing a, a you know hitters so strong that far down in the order uh, since that amazing Yankees team of the of the late nineties when you had Scott Brocious hitting nine, um, batting over three hundred. You know, it was it was a it was a ridiculous team. Um, Leon, you did mention before you mentioned defense. You wanted to, re- I think you wanted to refer to a certain uh, a certain play. Um, so I'll, I'll let you take us through that. There was there was the uh, well, it's, it's it's a game that's caused sort of a lot of discussion um, across the uh, across the baseball world in the last week. And it was it was Kershaw's perfect game, um, which if it was a doubleheader uh, from a couple of years ago, it, you know there would have been that discussion. Does it count? Um, I see by uh, Mr. Mr. Madison Bumgarner with his uh, seven-inning no-hitter uh, in, uh, I think it was against the Braves, actually. Um, yeah, so he was Gavin Lux. He was obviously the play straight up the middle. Uh, Lux, he got to it and, just, you know, it's a fantastic scoop and, and throw. Um, but I think, yeah, the wider discussion is uh, is based around Mr. Mr. Clayton Kershaw and, and whether he should have been pulled at, I think he was 80 pitches, maybe, 79 pitches. 
It was 80 pitches. He'd had 80 pitches. Uh, 80 pitches. He had 13 strikeouts on the day. Um, and yeah, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd gone through gone through seven innings, six outs away. Um, and the way he was the way he was motoring through, we've we've seen Kershaw play a hundred times. Sorry, we've, we've seen uh, Kershaw throw a hundred pitches plenty of times before in his career, um, albeit not for the last few months. So, um, what do you think, guys? Is it the was it the right decision? Should he have been pulled? Yes, I think he should have been pulled. Um, I mean, it's. Kershaw, we know he's not immune to injuries. He's come off a, an injury that ended his season early last year. He hadn't thrown a baseball for three, four months. He, he hadn't gone more than 65 pitches in any spring training game. I think it was a sensible decision. A decision that he agreed with. Because, uh, I mean, Kershaw's the ultimate team player. He knows where this team wants to go. It's, it's what we all want. He wants to win a World Series and that's the ultimate game. He's not really interested in individual glories. He, I think he said that in a quote. He said it's just it's, it's a selfish goal and we're trying to win and that's all really we're here for, which you've got to love that that sort of attitude. Yeah, I'd, I'd mirror that. I think one of the quotes that sort of stuck out was that he was upset for, for Barnsley as he wanted him to be part of a, a no-hitter because I think the last time that we threw, I think it was Grandel behind the plate. Um, and obviously Barnes is, is pretty much Kershaw's sort of personal catcher uh, for the most part these days. Um, I think the one thing that really stuck out to me was how relaxed uh, Clayton Kershaw was in between innings. Um, I've never really seen, I don't think any Dodgers fans have really seen him like that during games where he seemed happy, he was wondering about, he was talking to his teammates. He sort of seemed at peace with, with what was going on. We've all been there before with Rich Hill. Uh, and sort of going back a, a little further, I think it was Ross Stripling on his, his first ever start where Dave Roberts is known for protecting his pitches in those instances. Um, I would have loved to have seen the perfect game uh, or even a no-hitter, um, especially with it being a UK-friendly time. Um, we'd battled rush hour traffic to get back, so we don't usually have that sort of experience in the UK as well. So from a sort of a, a purely sort of selfish point of view, you know, I'd have I'd loved to have seen it. But in the cold light of day, uh, Kirsch has pitched 19, or up to that game, had pitched 19 innings since July last year. Um, it's a very, very low pitch count. Um, and he is an older pitcher. There's a lot of stress on his arm. We weren't even sure if he's going to be coming back up until about two months ago. Um, so it, it was, in my mind, the right decision to pull him at that point. Okay, so I'm going to... Uh, I'll, I'll throw my tuppence in and I'll say... I really don't think he should have been pulled. Um, I, looking at this from a purely selfish point of view, if I'm Clayton Kershaw, I've got a World Series already. I've achieved a lifelong aim. Several years ago, I was robbed of a perfect game when I was in my absolute peak uh, by shortstop making an error on what was, a at this level, fairly routine ground ball. Perhaps not the most routine, but a play you'd expect to be made. Out of the blue at 34 years old, I'm firing the game of my life again. I'm, I'm rattling through the innings at a rate of knots uh, enough to that it's quite conceivable I'm going to finish this game in 100 innings, in 100 pitches. 
certainly not far over. I just think, I don't care if my arm falls off. I want that perfect game. Now, all right, it's not the team player decision. It absolutely isn't. It's a selfish decision. And all credit to Clayton Kershaw um, to, for, for coming out and for saying all the right things afterwards. And hopefully he believes every word that he's saying. But he's 34 years old. Will he get another chance? You know, um, I heard a lot of what he was saying. And when you watch it back again afterwards, so one of the things he said, he said, my slider had stopped working. You know, his slider is one of the best pitches in baseball. And he's like, the last two innings, my slider was horrible. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. There was no bite to it. So he'd started using the curveball a bit more. And I think one thing we were all probably a little bit more excited about than it's probably uh, ordinary to do so is the introduction of this changeup that he'd started to throw. Um, you know, so it's a, just another way he found to, to, get, to get people out. And I realise it's going to be an unpopular opinion among, uh, among listeners, but I just think I want to keep going. And I want to keep throwing. And as soon as I give up a hit, hell, even if I give up a walk and it's still a no hitter, I've already got one of those. I don't care. Thanks very much. Take me out. Um, but, but I just think he should have been given the chance. He may not get another chance. 34 isn't overly old for a pitcher. He could go for years, but don't forget he came into the league really young and he's had the team on his back for a long, long time. Um, there is a lot, there has been a lot of stress on his body in recent years. And I just think that the way everything was going for him on that night, we should have given him the, we should have given him the chance to take home the perfect game. That's kind of, that's kind of where I come up on it. Um, yeah, so the, I the ideal scenario would have been, uh, imagine, because he was getting to obviously the bottom of the order. There was a certain Mr. Correa on the bench that day as well. So yeah, this this recurring sort of we'll have to call it a fantasy at this point, I guess, um, would have been to uh, yeah, for them to pinch it with a Carlos Correa striking guy, almost like Manny Machado on his knee against the Red Sox in a in Game Five in 2018, and Kirsch getting that perfect game. Um, but yeah, it's it was it, I think we've really got to applaud the achievement of what of what he pulled out the other day. Um, it was absolutely unreal to watch. Um, it was vintage Kershaw um, and it was very exciting. Uh, and, you know, we pitched well again against the Braves last night. Um, so I think there's a lot more to come from Clayton Kershaw this season. Yeah, I hope, I, I think you're right. I think um, he did, he, he pitched, he pitched really well last night. Um, he obviously got to the point where he started to allow a few base runners and some of those came in to score. Um, but still he's looking, he, he's looking refreshed and he's looking good after his time off. Um, and I can, of course, see the point of view that you want to keep somebody that good. He's got his, his, his history of injuries uh, fit um, and healthy for the rest of the season. And all credit to Clayton Kershaw for, uh, for, for, agreeing to, for agreeing to everything and coming out and saying all the right things afterwards. And I guess only he knows what he's really thinking. Um, moving on from Clayton Kershaw, I want to talk about someone I can only describe as his clone. Um, and we were all saying positive things about him. There was absolutely no one doubting his acquisition. Um, definitely not our friend from Birmingham, Leon. Um, so Andrew Heaney, 10.1 innings pitched, 16 Ks in two games, zero ERA. What have you got to say about this guy? 
Uh, first of all, I'd like to offer an apology to Andrew Heaney uh, and his family. Um, I was, again, I'm, I'm going to base this on uh, the opinions uh, and, and the facts given to me by uh, our colleagues and friends at the UK Angels and UK Yankees, um, who were scathing of his, uh, his ability uh, throughout last year and uh, spring training. Um, I panicked a little bit, I'll admit, um, during spring, spring training because he came out, uh, I think he came from the bullpen, potentially. He just got absolutely lit up. Um, our good friend Scott calmed us down, as he usually does during spring training. Said it's just spring training. Um, second star was equally scathing, I think. Um, but he's been fantastic. Um, absolutely unreal. Uh, he would have got out of um, Minnesota as well without a run, any runs at all, um, without the error. Uh, and he, he almost looks unhittable. Uh, to this point, uh, which is a good thing. I know it's very early days still, um, so I reserve the right to uh, amend my judgment further on. But he has been been really, really good. Hopefully, they have uh, fixed him. Yeah, I just think uh, he's a he's a he's a lefty. He's throwing an incredible slider. Um, he's not got an overpowering fastball, but he locates it fairly well. He's keeping it he's keeping it down in the zone, which appears to have been his um, his. Achilles from certainly what I've been told um, by uh, a few Yankees fans more than more than anybody else. So he's not, you know, obviously he's not giving up the home runs because his ERA is still down there, still down there at zero. Um, I just wonder what playing with Clayton Kershaw, who is another lefty with a great slider and not an overpowering fastball. Uh, I just wonder if that's made any made any impact whether the two of them are getting together and talking about how you know how he can be more effective Adam do you think that might have had any bearing on it it possibly could have um they, they said that I think before his uh, a bullpen session in Colorado he discovered a new breaking ball which I think is is the slider I think he's got a new way of throwing it which is which is doing the business so whether it's Kershaw or the pitching staff or the coaches, but something has clicked with him, which is which is which is all the all the best for us, really. If if he continues pitching like that, it could be down for a Cy Young at the end of the year. So I think that's one aspect of baseball that I really love is that a pitcher at the age, you know, I think he's thirty-one, maybe, just discovers a new pitch, just out of nowhere. Just what, how, <laughs> was he just messing around? Um, but again, sort of going back to the Kershaw point. Um, I think the first thing you do is sort of any pitcher who's sort of traded or signed by the Dodgers is you go and watch Clayton Kershaw throw a bullpen um, to, you know, obviously you, you would have watched it from the dugouts before, but the ability to to watch him up close and, and to an extent Walker Bueller as well, you know, is considered by many to be our ace at this point. Um, you talk to those guys, you, you, you ask them about their successes, you watch them close up and it may, I think it, it just helps you raise your game uh, at that point as well. And I think, you know, we've probably at this point got to give a little shout out to Tyler Anson as well, who's pitched well for us. Mm. Um, a guy who, you know, is not considered a top line pitcher. I know he had a good season last year with uh, the Pirates and the Mariners, um, but he started well. He seems to be sharing sort of game time with uh, with uh, Gonsolin as well. You know, obviously Gonsolin sort of struggled a little bit to get sort of good length into games. Um, and Anson is, is, you know, filling that, that gap pretty well. Um, so a little shout out to Tyler Anson as well at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last night we saw, oh, I also want to caveat as well, I think we're around about 
25 minutes into this pod, something like that. And that's the first time Walker Bueller was mentioned, and he was mentioned in uh, almost in passing. Um, goes to show just quite how good, quite how impressive Andrew Heaney and Clayton Kershaw and the rest of the guys have been um, when our uh, the, the ace of the staff, you know, widely recognised as such, um, doesn't isn't getting a mention at, at this point. So uh, just speaks volumes for everybody else. Um, I'll now move on to to last night. This, the the series opener at home versus the Braves, and we saw a couple of reunions on the field. Uh, firstly, we saw Freddie Freeman uh, going and saying hello to his former teammates, uh, and actually, I saw him uh, having a chat with Matt Olson as well, who's obviously replaced him down there in Atlanta. Um, great to see Freddie being warmly welcomed by his old teammates. And we saw Kenley, the return of the king, our the franchise uh, record saves uh, holder. Uh, and we saw him come back and he, he shared a special moment with Justin Turner, Dave Roberts and Andrew Friedman at the plate. Uh, Adam, what did you, what did you make of, of, of any of those things? I, I found it weird, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm a little bit used to seeing Freeman in a Dodgers uniform, but Kenley in that Braves uniform was odd and weird, and I don't think I'll ever get used to it. It's, it's yeah, he should just be in Dodger blue, uh, with with his music blaring as he as he struts out, and then we all basically uh, crap ourselves while he gets the job done. <laughs> Do you uh, do you think that um, if uh, Jansen gets a save opportunity against the Dodgers, are they going to are they going to blast out California love? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I it would be weird for them to to blast it out, but at the same time, I'm also not massively against it. I think it'd be quite nice, but it, it'd be weird. I mean, you don't play music for the opposition players, do you? It's... <laughs> Uh, he he did. He was asked that question actually in an interview yesterday, and he said, "I he said I really hope they don't." He said that chapter. I think he said something on the lines of that chapter's over, and you know it, he he's now doing a job with the Braves. I didn't actually realize. Um, uh, actually, he he had quite an affinity with the Braves as a as a young fan. So obviously, he's from a little island called Curacao, where my brother in law is from, and him and Kenley actually played together uh, for a, a little while. Um, but. Uh, he used to come over to Atlanta and watch one Andrew Jones quite a lot. So he's got an affinity with the Atlanta Braves. And although he spent um, the last 11 years with the Dodgers, um, possibly 12, depending on how I do maths, um, he made his debut in, in 2010. That's that, that much is certain. Uh, he is going to, uh, you know, he's now with a, with a club that he, that he grew up watching and watching one of his heroes play. Andrew Jones is an absolute hero in, in Curacao. Uh, and they they still make that case for him uh, as uh, as someone who should be in the in the in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I, it's nice to it's nice to see him get the opportunity to uh, to pull on that uniform. I think for, for me, for um, with California love, I think there's a couple of things that I'd be slightly against. Uh, it's a, if it's being played, it means we're losing a game, um, which we don't want to see because we're on a fantastic run. Uh, and secondly, I think it was such a special thing. To uh, to Kenley and and the team as well. That was one of the things I was really looking forward to. The first time I went to to see a Dodgers game, I was sat on a plane, sort of daydreaming about sort of hearing California love as uh, as Kenley runs out to, uh, to 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 save another game. And it was it was it was it's incredible. It was incredible to see. 
it felt like you were there. I know, you know, hopefully across the secret Kershaw start, and then the, but then the next night when that came on, it was just yeah, that was that was a special moment um, of which he was lucky enough to have very very uh, many of them. But I think yeah, we've I think we've paid our respects to this point. We'll never forget what he's done for us. But yeah, not not this time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's fair enough and the right way to look at it. So the other reunion, um, uh, the other reunion was was uh, was Freeman. Um, uh, he's not gone back to uh, uh, to Atlanta uh, as of yet, but the teammates all seem to be uh, all seem to be to be warm uh, and friendly to him, uh, despite a few things that have been said uh, allegedly uh, said by uh, some of his old teammates uh, uh, in various quarters of the press. Uh, in, in recent weeks. So I'm just really happy for, for both of them. I think um, Freddie Freeman's widely recognised as one of the one of the nicest guys in baseball uh, and Kenley Johnson for everything he did for, for this club. Uh, you know, thank you so much. I hope you hang that plaque that you were given commemorating your first save. Um, I hope you hang it somewhere um, in, your, in, your, in your house and that you just enjoy uh, the memories that that brings back. Um, so um, we're going to look forward uh, at the uh, at the rest of the week um, uh, very shortly. But before we do that, um, I do want to uh, make reference to April the fifteenth, which is a very important day in baseball. Um, Leon, would you like to tell us why? So uh, April the fifteenth is uh, the day Major League Baseball celebrates the debut of Jackie Robinson for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, Jackie actually went hitless during the game, but reached base on an error and scored the go-ahead run in the victory against the Boston Braves. Uh, the significance of the day is that Jackie became the first African-American to play in the major leagues since Moses Fleetwood Walker uh, in, uh, sorry, in 1884, when baseball established its colour bar, uh, barring uh, any players uh, of an African-American descent from playing in the major leagues. Um, in Jackie's first few seasons, uh, he faced a huge amount of discrimination and and outright uh, racism. Um, but his exceptional skill and the exceptional skill of the players who followed him through from the Negro Leagues uh, really did help establish a significant cultural change in the United States of America. Um, major League Baseball retired uh, Jackie's number for all Major League teams in 1997 and in 2004 declared April the 15th Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, so on this day, uh, all Major League players were the number 42 uh, to pay respects to Jackie uh, and, and obviously the players that followed him from the Negro Leagues um, who helped uh, make such a significant change to baseball uh, by bringing down the colour bar. Uh, and obviously, also, uh, they were very important in the, the civil rights movement, which was just kicking off in that stage uh, for equal rights for all in America. Um, so Jackie is obviously very important to us all uh, as, as Dodgers. Uh, and Major League Baseball and, and the United States of America as a whole. Um, this year, all players also wore uh, number 42 in the in the, uh, the blue of the Dodgers. Uh, again, just to highlight the role of the Brooklyn Dodgers in, in helping break down that colour bar. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, Leon. It's great to get the, uh, you know, the background. Uh, obviously, some of, some of our listeners will be seasoned and know all about the Jackie Robinson story, but it's always nice to uh, hear that. There's a fantastic film as well, which I know Adam was watching, uh, fairly recently, um, uh, and uh, it's well worth uh, uh, well worth taking in and finding out more about that. But in terms of the uh, the the, the, the colour barrier that uh, that Leon referred to there, um, there 
there was a fantastic Negro League uh, that was running through the, the the early part of the 20th century. And there are some players um, that could have been um, some of, you know, spoken about in the same breath as uh, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, had they been allowed to join uh, MLB at the time and to break through into the, into the major leagues. I'm going to throw a few names out there. Um, some of them you'll have heard of, some of them maybe you haven't. Uh, Satchel Page is one that always comes up. Uh, he, was a, he was a pitcher, um, and he actually made it to the majors when he was 42 years old. Uh, I think it was 1948 when, uh, when, he, when he started to, to play at this level. And he was still really good at 42 years old. Uh, now, in those days, pitchers did play longer, and they threw a lot, and they threw a lot more. And there's a lot of there's a lot of debate um, about uh, some of the stats relating to the Negro Leagues. Um, uh, often, you'll find historians don't tend to go into them in any detail because they're not sure uh, what what value they are. Um, but what you do get is a testimony of other players who who, who played against them. And um, Satchel Page uh, is just widely he's the benchmark that every other Negro League pitcher was compared to. So there might have been the odd person who was better he, he was better here and there, maybe for a season or two. Um, but Satchel Page is, is certainly the benchmark that everyone uh, is compared to. So well worth mentioning him um, and the fact that he didn't get to have his prime years uh, in, uh, in, in the major leagues. A couple of other names I'm going to mention. Um, Oscar Charleston, uh, who had an incredibly long uh, career from 1915 to 1941. They played center field and then moved on to play uh, to, uh, to play first base. And again, just a superb player, Josh Gibson. Um, if you are going to be uh, compared to a major league player, being compared to Johnny Bench is pretty good. Uh, Johnny Bench described as nowhere near as good of a hitter as Josh Gibson. Um, and um, uh, there was a, a quite a famous quote from Monte Irvin. Uh, who is a, a Hall of Famer, who said, I played with Willie Mays and I played against Hank Aaron. They were tremendous players, but they were no Josh Gibson. Um, all these players uh, were denied the chance to shine at the top level. And there are dozens and dozens more. Uh, there's a whole Negro Leagues museum um, that, uh, that I intend to visit one day. It's a bit of a mecca for me. Um, uh, but I just think everyone needs to know a little bit more about uh, about what that means and about what it's done, and now you enjoy one of the one of the most diverse games uh, played by uh, uh, played by people from uh, from all over the world. And I just uh, it's 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 a beautiful thing to watch, and I, I'm I'm really grateful for uh, for Jackie Robinson and the absolute trauma he went through, the death threats that he endured uh, in order to break that color barrier. And not only that, but I'm incredibly proud to be a Dodgers fan. Um, and that our organization was the one brave enough to take that step um, and uh, invite the first player of color uh, to, to step onto the diamond. Um, so that's a little, uh, a little bit of a thank you from me to, uh, you know, uh, to my club. And I'm sure it's uh, echoed by, uh, by everybody else on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Adam, on the subject of breaking barriers, is there something else that you wanted to mention, perhaps non-Dodge related? I do, and it's it's the Giants. Uh, they uh, fielded the first female 
uh, on-field coach uh, when Alyssa Nacken came in in the third inning uh, to become the first base coach, which I think is is great. Uh, I hope it leads to more uh, females uh, entering the game. Really, I hope hope she's an inspiration for for, for more female coaches. Heck, even maybe female players one day, potentially, if that could happen, that'd be great as well. Hey, you never know. It's um, uh, women's baseball in the in the UK, especially, is taking uh, is taking big steps. You've got the Bells Baseball Club, uh, either right now or at the weekend, just gone. We're playing in their first European tournament. Uh, the GB women's team is playing in their first tournament uh, later this uh, later this year. Uh, there are teams all over the country recruiting women, uh, trying to. Uh, grow trying trying to grow this uh, you know baseball for women so if anyone's listening to this and thinks that they want to have a go uh, then get onto the BSUK website and see if you can find that there's, there's the, um, a section called club finder and see if you can find uh, your, your nearest team and i would also say that as uh, the general manager of a of a club in liverpool although we don't have a women's specific team we would welcome women's players and we would love to have a women's uh, a women's team one day and I'm sure that most clubs across the country would say the would say exactly the same thing. So uh, don't let your gender uh, keep you back, and let's keep breaking down those barriers and show uh, show the rest of the world what baseball can do for for equality. Um, I suppose we'll bring things uh, we'll bring things back uh, probably onto a slightly uh, more jovial note, and we'll look at the uh, we'll look at the week ahead. Um, uh, Adam, I think you've been looking at some. Uh, at, at the week ahead and the UK friendly time games that, that might be on? Yeah, we've got uh, two uh, this week. Um, on Wednesday, uh, the final game against Atlanta uh, is an 8-10 start. So that'll be nice. After you've had your tea, sit down and watch. Uh, I'm not sure who's pitching actually in that game. I presume it's Julio, is it? Oh, like no, Gonsolin. So that'd, that'd be nice. And then Sunday night, as usual, uh, we're down at Dodger Stadium South. See us hopefully finish a sweep of the Padres. That would be nice. That's a 9-10 start. I don't think I said that. Well, absolutely fantastic. So we're almost uh, drawing to drawing towards the end now. Um, so while this is where I do the thing that we hope can always edit out if, we, if no one says anything afterwards, and that is, has anyone else got any other business that they want to put out there on the podcast today? Uh, just a quick shout out to the Facebook group, which is uh, it's, it's fairly active at the moment. Um, so if anyone is on Facebook, um, look us up. It's uh, I think it's UK Dodgers. I'll uh, we'll, we'll pop the URL in the uh, the podcast description. Um, join us for some good discussion on there. Um, and again, just a little shout out to Home Run X as well. I think obviously we mentioned uh, the San Francisco Giants female coach. Um, I think the uh, Home Run X as well is uh, is showcasing showcasing some female baseball players. Um, so if anyone's got any interest in that, obviously look that up for MLB Europe. Absolutely, yeah. Um, okay. Um, so I think that draws us to the uh, conclusion of, uh, of this week's uh, Dodging Sleep podcast. Thanks for bearing with me as I stumble my way through. Uh, thanks very much to Adam and to Leon for, uh, for coming on and sharing their opinions today. And we look forward to speaking to you all again next week. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>